Turn us off, bro. Three, two, one. My brother Brendan, he's got depression. This is the story why. Brendo, Brendo. My brother Carson on bass guitar, and he is a funny guy. Carson, Carson. Carson. A missing person happened to my bro. Unmissing person, that's the name of our show. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to another episode of Radio Brendo Man. I'm Brendan Creasy. And I'm Carson Crashley. Yes, we are related. But we're not going to talk about that story. We're going to talk about Unmissing Person. Chapter 4. The nudie bin. The nudie bin. Hot nudes for your bin, bro. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before we jump into that one-sentence recap of Chapter 3, which was Boxing Day. Um, we packed... I was... Uh, I tried to kill myself, but I didn't. And then you came down and... Uh, Put your stuff in boxes. That was Boxing up. Day. Boom! Uh, that just happened. Like, well, how was it last month? Yeah. It's wild. But for Nudie Bin, shoo, take it another time hop back to the 90s. 23 years ago. 20, 20, hace 23 años. 20 years ago. Passado. Yeah, back to high school. High we're school better day. times. We're better times than before. Right. Things were getting better than junior high. Things were rough. You know, pretty pretty bottomed out, dead dad, uh, found a gun, thought about killing yourself, or hanging out with kids who threw knives and who would grow up to kill their parents. Uh, but, you know, we were scooped up by the warm embrace of a Southern California Presbyterian Youth Group, met a lot of cool folks, uh, got to run around naked with some of them. I did. That was what me and my friends were into. We did Mountain Dew. We ate Jack in the Box tacos till our tummies exploded, and we ran around naked because we were inspired by uh, Big Brother and Jackass-style video stunts. Big Brother, the skate video. The skate brother, yeah. Not the reality show. Not, I, well, I was not inspired by my Big Brother, Brendo, running around naked, because the nudie bin is a story about how me and my friends and our accomplices are... <laughs> we weren't old enough to drive, but my brother, Brendo, and his best friend oh brent uh he, brent had a huge caddy sean is gone and i have a new new friend new best friend bigger cars better cars sean had a giant and brent had a giant it's like a 1982 cadillac with a leather couch in the back basically it like it was just a huge back seat and it was all plush back there and uh yeah, and then, but I found out about your uh, streaking when I was at school. I had a bit of a reputation as uh, a clothing, uh, clothing optional oriented teenager. One day in the morning, someone walks up to me and is like, "Hey, Brendan, uh, I saw your brother naked on the one." Yeah, the Pacific Coast Highway. That you was know, it. Took us. Yeah, that was you know that that wasn't the nudie bin incident. That was one of the. Stepping stones. You gotta start small. What made you and your friends want to go streaking? Just boredom? Uh, we had the Holy Spirit in us. You know, <laughs> we had a devil in our dicks and some little nudie demons in our semens. And we had to run around to exercise those, uh, you know, I don't know. I just think we weren't, we were very horny because we were pubescent boys. Um, we had probably, you know, we, there was definitely some attraction to each other, but, you know, we're, we're all about chicks and dude, and we're dude bros, and how do we, how would he, how do we release this sexual energy if we are shamed from touching ourselves by the church? Yeah. <laughs> we're, we can't, we can't, you know, I don't even, you know, pff, I'm married to God pretty much. I'm going to, I'm going to make out with the first, with my wife, and, and that's what I'm going to do, so... That doesn't mean there's this horny energy building up inside of us. And before before we got to the streaking, you've seen The Master, right? 
Yeah, I think so. Uh, what do you do? You, do you recall the opening scene on the on the beach? No. Well, you don't. Wait, I should have told you this. Maybe I'll repaint you a picture. And we grew up in Southern California, so uh, you know I grew up by the beach. We're like, hey, mom, spend the night at North Jesse's County, San house. Diego. Uh, we could walk two blocks to the beach, and it was like our playground at night. And sometimes shit got weird. It was like, oh, I don't bring my swimsuit. Let's run around naked. And then it was like, well, let's uh, let let's draw little mermaids in the sand with with boobs and um, pretend to to hump them. And then you know it escalated. <laughs> and I brought up the master, which is, you know, it's a P.T. Anderson, you know, heavy hitter. It's got Joaquin Phoenix, you know, chasing that Oscar. It's got Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's, it's, it's intense. And one of the opening scenes that really gives you a peek inside Joaquin Phoenix's like moonshine drinking weirdo who becomes you know right hand man to you know some weird cult leader. Uh, opening scene is he's in the military and it's like shore leave and all these drunk Navy guys are on the beach and they're watching Joaquin Phoenix dry hump a sand woman, a, a woman who's been. You know, just a, a sculpted, a sand sculpture, a, a, a very amateurly made sand sculpture. And he's like, humping it like a dog. And I was like, oh my goodness. My buddies and I used to do that <laughs> in San Diego. I was like, it's, when you see a movie like that that captures like such a private moment that you haven't, you would never tell anyone in a million years. And I was like, oh my goodness. It's Joaquin Phoenix reenacting my, like, one of my most hidden memories. It was crazy. Now you're telling everybody. Oh, I'm, I'm telling all all of our listeners because they're friends. But yeah, so you know, skinny dipping and led to dry humping sand creatures. Uh, dry humping sand creatures led to streaking across Pacific Coast Highway. Uh, and then it's like, well, what's the next high? What's the next level? We leveled up to master plan. We're gonna go to where all the cool kids hang out, and that is. Delmar Highlands Delmar Shopping Highlands Center. Shopping Center. Home of Edward Cinema, where I got my first job. The Don't Burger King, where I worked my first job. The Warehouse, where... Who, who worked at the Warehouse? I don't remember anybody. Nick Cairo. <laughs> I don't know. Throw out names. Uh, I don't know. But there was, a, there was a Togo's there. There was a Panda Express. There would later be a Cold Stone there. Yeah. Not the OG Cold Stone, where me, Judd, and... Purvis already worked um, right by the coast where we streaked. There was a Jimbo's Naturally Market. Heck yeah. Anyway. There was a... There was a, a, an independently owned McDonald's that had a dinosaur. That yeah. was the weirdest McDonald's. Like, you're not, you're not even allowed to, like, do that anymore. But he, like, grandfather is like, no, I got a quirky McDonald's and this dinosaur stays in the picture. But anyway, we decide one you know horny night that we're going to streak the highlands we got master plan mapped out literally mapped out because you know the theater where where there's like a you know a bunch of patio furniture and that's where the food court is and it's an outdoor socal style mall you could drive in the back entrance to the theater where there's a roundabout the plan was me and my nudie friends we're going to jump out of the back of brent's cadillac and Brent and his I didn't wingman. Yeah, I was the I was the wingman to the driver. I was not a streaker. He he was just there to watch. <laughs> so Brent gets his kicks. They were gonna jump out, streak through the highlands. People were like, "Oh my goodness!" And we would be hearing about this for decades to come, years to come. It's like, "Oh, did you hear about those crazy kids? They streaked the highlands." It'd be the ultimate highlands points. Awesome, because there was a highlands point system. Yeah, what what did you get highlands points for? Um. I didn't get any Highlands points. You didn't get any Highlands points. You peed in the elevator. I guess get, I get points for that. You peed in places. Well, you know, I was raised on a farm in New Mexico. Spent the summers there. We were taught to... We were free-range peers. Did you on pee the in the movie theater? You know, I don't want to get into my public urination. <laughs> um, but let's just say, you know, I should be seen... You know, at this time, I probably should have been seeing someone to get to the bottom of, of that. Um, little did I know, I would soon be seeing a therapist as a result of this Highlands incident. Which ties into the whole depression thing. Nudie bin, get it? <laughs> we, we were flopping around our noodles and then, oof. But yeah, so you know, the plan was get 
get you know disembark disenrobe disenrobe disrobe run through the highlands to the lower level Carl was going to swing around and pick us up we'll pull out the other exit great it's a genius ocean it's like it's like Danny Ocean himself had planned this clothing unheist we were unheisting our clothes and it was just, I mean streaking raises the heart rate endorphins it, it, it feels sexy have you ever felt the wind have you ever felt the southern Cali- have you ever felt the Santa Ana wind on your just barely pubescent nutsack in public when you're running around flopping free with your best bros I mean that's the dragon I was chasing and this dragon we got burned because uh the getaway did not go as planned and yeah. even 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 getting out didn't go as planned because we got there and it was a slow night at the highlands it wasn't the place to be well, it was late that's right it was like 11 or 12 we should have been getting there at 3 p.m because well, that was matinee a, crowd this was a decision made out of boredom because we rented some duds at blockbuster yeah yeah blockbuster let us down we rented uh, the movie Gothic, which some horror fans will be like, that's a classic. Yeah, it's boring. It was, for us 16, 15-year-olds, it was... It's a bunch of romantic poets trying to scare each other, and, and with very with those weird, like... It, there, there, I remember there being, like, you know, there in movies, when you're a teenager, pre-internet, you know... There, it's a great like, cover. There's, there's, there's boobies. In movies, yeah, and this was a booby movie, but I remember seeing it, and it was kind of like, oh, those aren't those aren't the good kind, because it's like creepy, like I don't know. I just showed the cover is like a woman in bed, and then there's like this demon kid child thing lurking over her, and it's like a pretty cool cover. I think that's what sold us on it was the cover. So and, cover, four and it's stars. the story of Mary Shelley and the the night that she told the Frankenstein story. What would to, become. Frankenstein. Pretty yeah. badass if you tell me. She was like, Well, I've got a story for you. It's gonna become, you know, an all timer. It's me on the rushmore of monsters, this creation I made this fun weekend. It's like that was it was like, What did you do in quarantine? Oh, uh, you know, I wrote Frankenstein. You know, that's great. But yeah, we ended up turning off the movie and then we were like, What should we you do? You know what? What should we do? We should streak the highlands. All we need is a car. We got Brent here. I got got my 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 Solana Beach crew. I got Mark. Got Purvis. I got Dustin Osborne. We can say his last name because he's a Chinese citizen now. He's he's dead to the United States. <laughs> but that's a great Dustin is a good friend, Ozzy Osborne, because he's always there. I remember my favorite Dustin memory is: Were you there with us? We went bowling and we got in a fight with some randos, and typical Dustin. Dustin was the one that was fighting them off as we were running to the car and he ended up jumping in through a window. Yeah. But because he was there still fighting them off. He's rough, dude. He didn't, he just had no fear. He was like, he was like the friend and it's like he'd be like, our other friend would be like, hey, do you want to come to, do you want to go to Mexico with me tonight? And it's like Tuesday and we're like 14. I'm like, no, dude, it's not my game. Uh, I got Bible study tomorrow. And then, like, a week later, you're, like, talking to Dustin. Like, yeah, so I went to Tijuana last week. You're like, what? <laughs> He's always down. Dustin was always down. And we were down to run through the Highlands naked that night. We get there. Like, oh, should we even do it? I mean, who's going to witness us in our glory? But, you know, we're there. We're, we're hyped up. You know, we got that gothic energy pulsating through through our veins and we pop out of the car and we start running through you know it's like feels feels good and i'm like there's like no one here to see this there's no one here except for oh shit security guard and you know it's like oh well you know we're running he's just on foot it's rent a cop so, you know, start running to the lower level. I pop in, I think on the first one, uh, you know, back back in the caddy. And then, you know, Dusty and Mark, you know, you know, trick, trickle in. And it's like, 
where's Jesse? He's like, things are getting a little more amped up, a little more, because, like, we got to get out of here. You're probably panicking by now. Definitely, I'm panicking. Cause... Well, you know, what was your view from, like, dropping us off to the drive around? Well, we get to the bottom, and we see the security guard, and then we're like, oh, shit. So you see a security guard before you see us. Yeah. How's the security guard look? Well, he looks pissed. Yeah. Uh, just kind of like, I don't get paid enough for this shit. Because he wasn't like running. No. He was just kind of like, ugh. He's like, he's like putting in bare minimum effort. He's putting in sub Paul Blart mall cop energy. He's putting in sub Seth Rogen, the movie not to be confused with mall observe cop. Observe and report. He's working observe and report. He, he, he doesn't want to observe nor report. He wants neither of that, you know? Uh, but, you know... Jesse gets there, uh, car doors open, right? He's he's not quite in yet, and Brent, our driver, you know, puts the vehicle into motion, wrong direction. It was like Tommy Boy, <laughs> bro. He, he Jesse gets sandwiched between you know this thick. It was a pylon. Pylon and the car door, the door kind of breaks on him, and he's like screaming, but like I think can't he broke really a rib. Probably cracked something because yeah, he got backed up on and then collapsed into the car. Uh, Brent like floors it. You know, there's we got to get we got to get from the lower level to the upper level exit. Swing around in front of the warehouse. Speed bumps, big big monsters. speed bumps, the kind that they don't mess with you. And so we, got we go over it. one, and what turned out happened was it dislodged a. We hit the bottom. We bottomed out so hard that we dislodged a spark plug. And like the, the car just died, stopped. Like the car had a heart, like the car had a fen fen heart attack. Yeah. And the security guard on foot, at a very leisurely pace, <laughs> catches up to us and marches us out to the curb. And of course, he's a fake cop. So what does the fake cop do? Calls the real cops. And the real cop, not a high priority. So we're sitting on that curb for a while. Yeah, it was like 45 minutes to an hour. And we're just like, you're in tears just about. I was flipping out because I knew how my, I knew I was going to get in the most trouble. Because <laughs> two of those kids, like, the, the some of those kids had parents that just didn't give a shit. No, they did. But they they were kind of like, meh, you know. <laughs> He, when he hangs out with his other friends, you know, he comes home smelling like marijuana. When he gets into trouble here, he's running around naked. Who cares? Not NBD. Yeah. Not big dicks yet. Well, the I just um, was thinking about our mom was going to flip out. And uh, sure enough, mom gets the late night call. This is the San Diego Police Department. We have your son's. And that's... Plural. She, both of them. Two for two. <laughs> the police department got us. But, you know, um, I guess this is, I mean, it's a rent-a-cop. But, I mean, and it's San Diego. And it is kind of a privilege to um, not be shot by the police in this instance. Um, but funny, I, I, and you're going to, I swear, the cops, the, not, not the cop-cop, the rent-a-cop, when we're sitting there on the curb, you know, our buddy Mark is kind of like, this is stupid. We should just run. I'm like, nah, nah, not, not, not for me. But Mark wants a second opinion on his master plan to just run. So he asks the rent-a-cop directly, hey man, what if we, what if we just ran? If you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do if, if we just run? And the, and the rent-a-cop very dryly just says, well, I'd have to shoot you. And we're like, what? What? Because you guys would have your guns out. <laughs> I was like, oh, come on, man. We, we're reclothed by now. Um, but I uh, appreciated it. You did his, say that. That's he real. You did say that. I'm not just adding that um, in post production. He's a funny guy. Yeah. It's a funny rent-a-cop. Maybe I wonder, Maybe he was an open mic comedian hitting up the San Diego Comedy Store in La Jolla. He's like, man, this guy's better not make me miss my la my late night spot, or I'm gonna have to clean Mitzi's pool house again. I don't know. But the real cops eventually show up. The real cop, not very pleased to be there. Yeah, because there's 
I don't know if like there's there was no crime committed. Well, there was a crime. I guess it's a crime, but we were all minors, even Brett. So it was kind of like uh, we're naked. Our parents are not too pleased. Um, I do remember it being kind of <laughs> there was a rented cop and a cop, and I remember the the real cop being distinctly taller um, and distinctly more fit. Yeah, it's like oh, this is the real cop, and yeah, it's almost like yeah, he had like a a tip. He had like he converted a typical speech that is probably for more serious offenses of like not to waste my time, uh, you know, babysitting incidents like this when I could be out there with my you know, I don't know what he gave us a mini lecture about yeah, we're wasting his time and blah blah blah, pretty much. Pretty much. Which we were wasting his time. But man, what a great time we had. All those. It's funny, like, we spent st- all the all these years. Uh, it's a fun story. It's like top three high school kind of events. I tell um, it a lot. Tell it a lot. But it's like the, the incident, the streaking itself that you did not participate in. <laughs> you, just, you just were there to check it out. You're a big fan of streaking. The streaking itself was like. From out of the car to back in the car, getting my boxers back on, was what, like 72 seconds? Totally worth it. Totally worth being sent to a therapist. Yeah, well, first we had, so the punishments came running, raining down. I got my, we got, I got AOL taken away, so no internet. Did your Canadian girlfriend break up with She you? was from Texas, thank you very much. Okay. Did your... She did. Because of this? Incommunicado. Oh, no. Her name was Jerry. J-E-R-I. Okay. Okay. You guys but talked on the phone, though, right? We talked on the phone, yeah. Just want the listeners to know that this wasn't a a dude pretending. (laughs) But, um, and I, I lived online. I was on the wrestling message boards and stuff. So I had my own wrestling newsletter. The Papa Shango's Shango three three threes, that was my name. Why three three three? Because it was half of six six six. You couldn't go all the way? Because I was the I don't know, I thought it was clever. You because you thought if you did Shango six six six, you go straight to hell. Yeah. Yeah. So that got taken away. And then we had to go see our not our high school pastor because mom knew he didn't care. Yeah, he, she he, Mike he, was he, cool. He'd be like, ah, "Calm down." Well, he probably did tell her to calm down. He's like, "Well, no, Jay." Sh- Jay so we had to go. Say, yeah, we had to go talk to our junior high pastor, the same one we talked to after dad died. Yeah, and he lectured us about why what we did was wrong. Can you imagine getting that call and then being like, "Ah." Oh, do I have to find a Bible verse to shame? <laughs> I wish, I wish he did. Like, was there? He probably was there a scripture? I feel like or we read just. I feel like he read some scripture. We prayed together, you know, and it was like all like it was. I remember. I think it was Jesse wasn't there because like Jesse's parents were like, no, he's not going to be punished for for loving his body enough to share it with the world freely. <laughs> I mean, St. Francis of Assisi made his sainthood off of disrobing, right? Yeah, I think so. Yes. Obi-Wan was in that movie. May the Lord be with you, he said. Um, But yeah, man. That's where, and that was one of those ones where in addition to the the, the churchy counseling, I got to go see... um, We had to go together to a counselor who actually was the dad... Of one of the kids in our youth group. Right. Thank goodness for doctor-patient confidentiality. Yeah. Um, And then I got put back on Zoloft. How come you got drugs and I didn't? Because I'd taken them before, I don't know. So, like, I passed the test and they're like, no, back on drugs. Yeah, I think just through talking to me, he's like, you still have some issues. But you always kind of, you know, you know, to, to to sit in the mental health for a little bit is like, you know, 
depression, you know, I'm no scientist. I hear that it's a kind of runs in the family kind of a thing. Yeah. A genetic thing, if you will, right? Can't predisposition or and so it's like, well, you know, mom's got it, my brother's got it, and it's like here I'm here and it's kinda like I'll go to therapy after our dad died and they're like, He's doing fine and like but like, you know, my brother's on antidepressants and like I, I go to this and it's like, well, what are my antidepressants? Am I not sad enough? And then, like, later on in life where it's like, well, you know, I made it through all those events without, you know, being put on antidepressants or without, you know, going to a couple therapists and being like, oh, I think you're pretty good. And so then, in like, I think later in life that led to me being, like, dealing with my own depression that I've sought, you know, therapy for multiple times as an adult. Part of me is like, huh, well, was it detrimental to me to, like, kind of I don't know not get help then because like is getting help I mean is help being told you don't need help you know I don't know I mean yeah did I seem like a sad high schooler no you didn't yeah but that doesn't mean it's not there I guess that's kind of the point is maybe this streaking was me trying trying hard to justify getting those scripts getting the drug treatment I don't know I feel like I was penalized for handling it well well you handled it well so you were good okay fine I handled it well I got but that's that's the point it's like uh I guess there is no point the point is I got in a lot more trouble than you did for something that you did I I, don't, I think you still have some bitterness <laughs> I think we need to go back to and the best part is mom's listening to this. So she has her own story, I'm she sure. Has her own story. We need to have mom on here to tell her side of everything. Well, yeah, oh, yeah, that's going to go great. <laughs> Where's she going to sit? It's pretty tight. We'll have to take it on the road. But, yeah. And, you know, did we receive the glory that we deserved for that? No. Well, people didn't know about it, and I wasn't about to broadcast it. Yeah. Yeah. If Did only... you tell people? Well, I guess that's the thing. It's like, you know, this is one of those things where, oh, I guess I'm glad I didn't live in the, you know, IG live, you know, TikTok. Because if we had this <laughs> on camera, it's like, oh shit, man. that'd be around forever. It's around forever. Your naked ass on the internet. Yeah, because we definitely would have filmed that. Yeah, I mean, we had a buddy that one of the streakers. I think it was after this on a church oh, trip. Later, filmed himself walking out of a Burger King bathroom naked. <laughs> God bless him. Rest in walking peace. Walking out of the Burger King, then walking across the drive-through line, stopping a car. It was. We watched that video at Bible study after, and probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah, with an elder of the church present. Yeah, but... That was a bad idea. That guy, that guy disowned one of his gay kids, so F him. I didn't know that. Sure, there you go. But yeah. <laughs> that, but I think another friend of ours kept that... No, no, another... It was like... Kids are, kids with cameras, you know, when it was like high eight recorders. Same friend. Friend that I would prank him by like filming him in the shower you know because he was like staying over like take a shower and then like the other friend whose house was filmed him it's like ah uh, get it but our friend just kind of like played it up and like made it kind of funny and I, don't, I didn't see this video but that friend's dad watched that video so his dad was like why do you have video of your friend in the shower <laughs> it's like so, american beauty oh uh, so don't so people are like oh I'm, if Kids were always getting themselves into trouble with with their with their nudie bins with their nudes. There have been there have been hot nudes that have sent sent young folks down down a path of despair as long as there's been the medium to do so. Yeah. Oh, God bless Mark Gregg. I miss him. Yeah, that was our buddy Mark. It's a cool dude. So. High school, overall, I think the point of that story is just to say that there are these ups 
it's an ups and downs and there was lots of ups in high school for me um but then this incident let me write back into therapy and therapy leads to i don't know who knows Hopefully good things but i mean let's talk there, a more about those those ups you know like i mean the thing the common thread in my ups is like i'm surrounded by friends and people that i love and love me and they're supportive nudity <laughs> But I had lots of friends um, from school and church, and we were very involved in the EDGE, the youth group at church. It was a very large group. And um, I had a... So popular that they named a water slide after it. <laughs> I had a my, my friend Brent, who was like, he was a good replacement, Sean. I would say, uh, yeah. He was still an edgy guy. He's he's a punk rock kid. He's still yeah, always your your good friends. I think they were drawn to like um, you know, cuz I think everyone has has benevolent goodness in them. Even these kids that were rough around the edges, you know, it's like, well, well here's goodness. Here's some good energy that I think will be naturally drawn to even even me out. And we went to private school together. And I didn't have too many friends at the private school, but I had Ed Brent not that the people at the private school were mean. They just had their... It was like a school where like a lot of these kids have been going to school together since kindergarten. So they were like super tight-knit. And it was a very small school. Yeah. So it was a little hard breaking into those friend groups. Yeah. And, and you know, so a friend that went to your high school and went to your youth group was like, oh, we're going to hang out a lot. Yeah. And we were on the football team together. And we used to sneak into R-rated movies. We used to go to... Punk shows. Punk shows at Soma Live, which is still around, but it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not location. the same, man. It's not the same. Once the, once the other place closed down, it was never the same, dude. I never went to a show at the new Soma. But um, the last show at the old Soma was Smashing Pumpkins. Heck yeah, man. That was like the venue where it's like, if you were like in a high school band and like, oh, you got to play a show at Soma, that was like Carnegie Hall for high school band. Yeah, I remember I saw the the dregs there. They were the big band my junior year. Ah, uh, the Orange Tang Clan never made it and to Soma. Gimp was the big punk band. What about Eucalyptus? Oh yeah, Eucalyptus. What was that? I was guessing at the name of a band. I don't know. They were cool. But yeah, man. I mean, we went to a, and then we went to public school starting my junior year, your freshman year. That was a that was a frightening transition. Yeah, it was fright I was worried it was going to be like I thought people weren't going to be cool. People that I was friends with in church weren't going to talk to me at school or I wasn't cuz I had I had the last time I was in public school was a disaster. That was butt crust. That was where and, the, you know, they defaced your your no fear jacket, but mom that summer put me on fenfen and put me on a diet. So you're getting cut. I went. I dropped like forty pounds, Got fifty pounds, sub two hundred, and then they pulled fenfen off the market. Well, good because <laughs> it was speed. It had ephedrine in it. It killed people. I didn't. I was fine. You would have ended up like that poor woman at the end of uh, Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. But there were people, there are people that still, because you can still buy it in Mexico. So there's people that are still on it, even though it might kill you. But it it's it works, man. And sometimes, you know, it's hard, you know, losing weight. Ugh, don't I know. You do what's you know, easy, though, is putting on weight. I kind of just got, like, you know, happy. Uh, but I, I was doing... <laughs> I could do theater. I'm a, I'm a very well-trained actor. Um, I studied theater at Cambridge, the Stanislavski Summer School. Oh, that, that doesn't mean I, I'm making fun of myself, even though that is a true fact. You have a minor in acting from UC Berkeley. Uh, th- TDPS, Theater, Dance, and Performance Studies. Okay. You're a professionally trained actor. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you hear about great actors, you always hear about, like, oh, man, Raging Bull, he gained all this weight. Oh, Christian Bale, he became the president, he became vice president, and he gained all losing. And so, like, I got cast (coughs) 
in a in a local production of Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing, as uh, Wilford Brimley. And I was like, hey, well, if I butter if I butter up, this is recent. This is recent. This is about now. It's about two years ago. Okay. Uh, I was like, well, I've put on, I'm already losing some hair, and I'm getting a little thicker. Um, but I was like, fuck it. So you know, I kind of put on some weight and kind of leaned into it. And I was kind of <laughs> like, this is my method. Uh, and I became Wilfred Brimley. I started performing stand-up as Wilfred Grimley. Burns in the stash. I grew a I grew a mustache, a walrus mustache, uh, and I was like, "Hell yeah, that was easy." But getting the pounds off when you don't have uh, a Hollywood <laughs> workout regimen uh, in place, <coughs> yeah. Um, so I'm still working off so the Wilford Brimley on that weight. For the last um, couple of years. But then you had COVID happen, so you got your COVID weight. You got my COVID weight, I got my Brimley weight. You got your, uh, mare, your baby Brimley, weight. Got my baby weight, and then Brimley died. So now I have my depressed, my depression weight for the loss of Wilford Brimley. Although, should we be sad about Wilford Brimley? Because according to family legend, Wilford Brimley shot one of... Carson Creasy Jr.'s dogs. He also ran illegal dog fights. No, cock fights. Cock fights. You're thinking of Michael Vick. Michael Vick was they... dogs. Wilford Brimley, huge advocate for legalizing cock fighting. This was in New Mexico. Yeah, all throughout, all throughout the Southwest. Claims it's a part of heritage, which it is in, in many cultures. But, yeah. He was neighbors with my grandpa. They didn't like each other. No. Um, I think it's hilarious that if that if that story is true, that I would later portray Wilford Brimley on on stage. I got accepted to a comedy festival as the character Wilford Brimley. Um, that comedy festival was canceled due to COVID, but I just want people to know that like that's how deep into the Brimley psyche I got. Do you have a new character you're working on? You didn't even ask me to do Wilford Brimley. I'll do it. I'm not some show pony. You have to Google Wilford Brimley's <laughs> Yuck Yuck Hola Baloo. What's the Wilford Brimley thing? What do I do as Wilford Brimley? You did the diabetes song. We interrupt this comedy podcast to bring you an important medical announcement. Brought to you by Liberty Medical Group. Hi, I'm Wilford Brimley. You may remember me from cinema. Remember that movie Cocoon? Brendo? Yeah. Oh, it's slipping into <laughs> Pappas. Those movies where me and Mahoney, who got really horny for some aliens, uh, she tried to extend our, our life expectancy because it was the right thing to do. Diabetes strength, activate! That was one of my ad libs during the thing. And then I threw a gun. Throws gun! Throws gun! Special move! But it was great because a friend, uh, one of the cast members, their son, Loved the show. It's like elementary age, and like months after the show, she's like, "My son still says from time to time, diabetes strength activate." And I'm <laughs> like, "Yes, gaining on the weight was worth it for my art." That's cool. Yeah, cool story, bro. Cool story. But that's how you know, the second one, one. No, one of the the one of the moved to Portland. Uh, uprooted my life and then like stopped doing you know theater art anything and that was probably one of my lowest lows and then I kind of like did the whole thing where like I booked myself uh, a therapy appointment and then I swear it was like by the time the appointment happened I had started within weeks doing stand-up comedy for the first time and so, like, I met with this therapist. Like, tell me about it. And, blah, blah, blah. and then towards the end, I was like, but then I, you know, I was depressed because I stopped doing my, my theater because I moved, you know, theater scenes from the Bay Area to Portland. I don't want to climb the ladder again. But I started doing stand-up. And the therapist was like, you should do that. And I did. And then stand-up ruined my life. How did it ruin your life? <laughs> it's just, you just, 
it's just like uh, just talk to talk to any comedian. Just um, being at bars all the time. You're at bars all the time. Relationships. You don't get a lot hard. of sleep. You, you know, if you're 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 if you're if you're balancing full time work and grinding it five mics a night, you know, your life is chaos. Like there were periods like where I would be. Working. Were you going out every night? There would be periods where I would do stand up six nights a week, work forty plus hours a week, and you know, three of those nights I'm like borderline like you know, just like out of control just because it's like you do shows, you get hyped up, you get free drink tickets, it's late, you know, you know, people don't want to sleep. There's houses where it's just comedians, so after every show ends you can like drink till the sun comes up and you're with a group of friends who's all pursuing you know this very high stakes like you know like you know stand up some people are making it big yeah and you know we have people in our peer groups who are like it's like it's not just like uh we we haven't seen the roadmap. it's like if you're a local comic in portland you can do good and get on local you know shows and those can lead to working at the local comedy club can build a network and maybe you can do out-of-town shows and then maybe by then you can booked on a festival and then we have one of the best festivals or we did at the time in the country you get booked on that and that local festival you can be like now i'm doing you know uh you know this festival in denver now i'm doing this festival in, in north carolina and now i'm being seen by the industry and people have like made the transition straight from portland to I got representation. I'm working in New York. I got representation, or I'm gonna get reputation soon, and I'm in, you know, LA. Um, and so there's a map, and we're in this together. We love each other. We hate each other. It get the scene is full of very real drama. Very. Uh, you uh, you're a you're crazy. a drama magnet. Oh, I try not to be. Just wanna. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe I like the drama. Your mouth gets jokes. you in trouble sometimes. Oh yeah, yeah. He could say that. He could say that. But you know, stand up and pursuing having that creative juice. Gets when you me have out an outlet, it definitely does. Like when I was like going on when doing I, this, doing the podcast for is huge for me. Um, it's like when I was really going, that was like the best times, and it was when the podcast ended with phil that really was a dark that like led me to some dark shit not gonna lie yeah i mean it's it's um it it having that creative outlet is definitely yeah especially an outlet that allows you to wrap your head around things yeah so it's good to have it back good to be here i'm glad you're here i'm glad that we're doing this together yeah bro Let's do a bad dad, rad dad. Okay, let's start with the bad dad. So we can have something sweet. Uh, this is a segment we call bad dad, rad dad. Since I'm a new, new-ish new dad, uh, I like to check in about that. Um, but, you know, I'm learning. So, you know, each week point out, I point out something that makes me a bad dad. And my brother, who lives with uh, myself, my baby... Uh, and my wife, and my baby's mommy, um, you know, he gets to tell me something rad about what I do as a parent, as a father. And that's important to us, to both of us, because, you know, we had a rad dad, um, but, you know, not for a super long time. So being able to be a good parent is, is super dope. Um, this makes me a bad dad. Um, sometimes, am I already getting into stuff I've already said? If I have a, sometimes, um, like say, like we get Chinese food, I will deliberately in my portion put a lot of sriracha, not just because I love hot chili sauce, but because then I know I will not have to share it with my daughter. So, so my wife is like, oh, look, you know, you, you've had enough of mommy's food. Why don't you eat daddy's food? It's like, oh, sorry got hot sauce on it she eats some spicy foods she does she's a spicy baby but not your spicy level she's a spicy meatball she's not up to your level though she's getting there she's getting there that um, makes me a bad dad yeah but you feed your daughter 
That's true. I feed her. Um, my... Is that my? That's what makes me rad. Yeah, no, you, no. You, you don't. You don't let your daughter starve. Rad Dad. Um, Rad Dad, you read to your daughter a lot. And it's instilled a love of reading in her where she grabs the books herself. She doesn't and even know how to read. I've seen her flipping through books by herself. She's less than one and a half years old. That's pretty impressive. And then she'll give books to you to read and she pays attention to the books. And if you tell her... While you're reading the books, like there's a picture of a cow, I'd be like, "Where's the cow?" She points to the cow. Very smart. I think it's really annoying when uh, parents talk about how smart their kids are, uh, but it feels really good when other people say it. So, thank you, bad like, dad. I just reading is is super important. I mean, it's what I think our parents read to us as kids, and I think that helped us a lot. We're avid readers. Yeah, man, but we read too much. Now we're too woke. <laughs> uh, so I just think it's good that she reads a lot, and I can see her becoming a healthy reader and lover of books. Yeah, I think eventually she will um, learn how to hold a book, um, not upside down as she reads it, but, you know, baby steps. <laughs> or use them to step on. Ugh. She loves stepping on books. Because they are going to lift her to a higher elevation of intellectual development. You said this morning you the first thing she did was step on a book. She loves it. She's she's all about stomping on, on the reading material. But <laughs> that's great. Anyway. Alright. Enough um, about my daughter. What are we what are you watching this week? That's hot. Well, in addition to the stuff we've already talked about like uh, The Boys Season 2, which is just gonzo. You fell asleep during the last episode. I watched it. It was nuts. Yes. The Stormfront story is very intriguing. Mm-hmm. And they just announced that they're making a spinoff show that takes place at a college run by Vought. What? So it's like Powers the College Years. No way. Yeah. I mean, the boys, the college years. But it's about the superhero academy, basically. That's dope. And it's the same showrunners and stuff. Okay. But the boys season two is Amazon's most successful show ever. So that's why they're like, spinoff time. Crank it out. Um, But we have been watching a new show. It's on Netflix. It's the new Ryan Murphy, um, who you might know as from American Horror Story. And um, the OJ show, mm-hmm. and they did the Versace one, which I didn't, I haven't watched. I started it, the Versace. Not, not. I, I don't know. I, I need to spend some more time with it. And they also did the, what was the other one about the female actresses? He did that. I didn't glow. No. I don't know Hollywood. But, uh, yeah, um, so it's called Ratchet, and it's like a prequel to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest about Nurse Ratchet. And it's Sarah Paulson, his his muse, and all this stuff. very disappointed. We're what, like nine, we're nine episodes in, eight episodes in? They haven't really gotten into uh, the etymology of the name Ratchet. That's a strange name. No one's, no one's I, I want to get more into it. It's a very violent show. Yeah. There's a lot of violence. There is a lot of um, arms being chopped off of bodies. Yeah. Yucky. But it's a great show. It's really good. Well, it's captivating. I don't know if it's great. It's hard to call something great when you're binging something because it's like you think like your need to see the next episode means... Well, it must be good. And then sometimes you get to the end of a show and you're like, huh, well, I'll close the door on that one. And I think that's, is that where this one said it? I don't know. I like it. It's good. Uh, Sarah Paulson's great. Yeah. I loved her. Um, Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone's in it. She's good. She's a scene stealer. So yeah, the, the acting between uh, some of there's some there's some great acting scenes. If you like good acting scenes, it's strong powerful who's the lady from sex in the city what's her name 
The one that ran for oh, Senate. Oh, Cynthia Nixon. Cynthia Nixon, yeah. She's, she's in it. Um, but Sarah Paulson, uh, I, I, I hesitate saying this, um, but she's a very, you know, sexy character because strong, competent, and just a sexy woman. But and she has a very regal forehead. You see, she has very she has she has a lot of forehead going on. And Ellen Page level. And it reminds me of Kristen Wiig's character from SNL, the one with the tiny hands, Denise. <laughs> and like once once I like and I was like there's like I, I factored it myself. I I looked up on YouTube Denise and I'm like looking at the looking at Denise on my phone, looking at Sarah Paulson as Ratchet, and I'm just like, I can never unsee this. And uh it 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 it, it kind of you know, because I can't unsee that, it, it makes me laugh. Um, and I think that's a gift to everyone else out there is when you're watching Ratchet in the most crazy scenes that are super intense, just, 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 uh, you know, if you need like a safety valve, just picture Nurse Ratchet as Denise with tiny hands. <laughs> Kristen Popping Wade. the bubbles. It's great. Or put, remember when she would put her hands on like the actors on like the face on their faces? Yeah, it's so funny. But yeah, Ratchet's pretty pretty dope. Yeah, and in addition to that, I've been watching football and basketball. Pooh, it's crazy watching football and basketball playoffs. That's crazy. Yeah, it's the only time it's going to happen. Well, I mean, the NBA season might start start until January next. Oh yeah, so it'll be all weird. That's crazy. We're having a fierce. Oh yeah, we're going head to head in fantasy football duel. right now. It's going to come down to tomorrow night's game, and then we can say next week who won. He's got Mahomes. I have uh, Jackson. Our quarterbacks are facing off tomorrow Monday night, and if I lose, I'm going to have to clean the bathroom. Yeah, and for if two weeks. I win. Brendo's got to clean the bathroom. Yeah. Which means I'll probably still have to clean the bathroom. I clean the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, you're, you clean how I clean. It's like the way I clean is kind of like a first pass of a clean. Usually it means someone might want to come in after I'm done. And I don't know. I do my best. I do my best. I live solo my whole life, like for a lot of my life. Yeah. Yeah. So I recommend a good way to get chores done, keep things exciting. You can start a fantasy football league. We had to start during week two. That's totally fine. That's totally fine. Small league, just, just like six or eight. I don't know. We have had Radio Brendo Man leagues in the past, two of which you won. That's right. <laughs> but I just haven't been because feeling I it. I was an early adopter of Aaron Rodgers because I went to school with him. Was he in any of your classes? No. Aaron Rodgers wasn't in upper division theater classes. Although there was a lineman who I who was in the theater program, and I cast him in one of uh, my shows. And it was pretty cool. He's very, very athletic for a big guy. Good for comedic effect. I remember there was some basketball players at Biola that were very tall and athletic and was in my classes. One of the tallest scenes I've ever seen. This is a scene from real life. Is when I worked at UW, uh, there was a Chipotle, and for a while, not for a while, still, it was kind of cool. The cool thing was like to just to roll around on campus on those hoverboards, and these basket, the basketball team, like like a, a handful of them, all rolled into the Chipotle uh, in the U district on hoverboards, but it's like. These are basketball players, so they're like six eleven to begin with, seven foot two on hoverboards. <laughs> so you're sitting in Chipotle, and so you see like these shadows floating by. They look like uh, I'm thinking of like Nosferatu or like the the tall, creepy guys from Dark City. It was crazy, but they're basketball players who want to get their burrito fix. Can't can't hold that against them. And they were doing it in style. Yeah, I mean that's um, that's what I got this week, bro. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Oh, I got a job. 
Nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. That is great. So things are on the up. I started working part time for City Brew Tours. So you're gonna do so the so yeah. Doing office work from home. Well, not no, I'm not a beer tour guy. No. I don't know enough about beer. Well, you used to be a bottlehead. For a minute. I just liked the whole... It was like baseball cards. Yeah. Finding the rare ones, trading them. And then getting drunk off them. Yeah. That's not like baseball cards. <laughs> you cannot get drunk off baseball cards. But you can, you can get die, a vintage wax pack from 1986. Eat that gum and get poisoned. The gum you can put in a freezer. You don't need to put it in a freezer. You can just take like a little... A little rock hammer like in Shawshank, put in an envelope crushed into a fine dust. <laughs> That's what I want to do. Derek, I want to snort some Don Russ gum. Derek got me to eat the gum from uh, when we were at the L.A. Sci-Fi Con. Um, Derek got me to eat the gum from a pack of Roger Rabbit cards from 1988. Ouch. It was disgusting. Maybe uh it maybe, like it like hardened in my throat. Maybe that's why you need to get your blood work reevaluated. <laughs> no, I remember going to a Comic Con in yeah. like the eighties and getting like um gum eating the gum from like a Goonies card. Yeah, the pack. Goonies cards. But now you open those packs and you can see like how like they the card it was on is like all fun. And up. the Goonies cards were cool because they had scenes that got deleted from the final cut of the movie. Yeah, that's how I like, first thought I'm like, wait, there's an octopus in this? Yeah, they had thing? an octopus. There was a scene that wasn't we didn't even see that until the Disney Channel cut. There was also a scene where they were supposed to get there was leeches in the wishing well. Ew. And they're like, Ah, stand by me, I already did that. Yeah. No. Wasn't Goonies before? Yeah. So could have been could have been them. Because in the description of the wishing well card, it mentioned leeches. Yeah. So yeah, Goonies cards, movie cards, those were cool. I love them. Dick Tracy cards, Terminator Two cards, Dark Crystal cards, which also had cards of deleted scenes. You should make cards for your podcast. I know a gal, Jane Malone, from Salem area. Yeah, makes comedy cards. She makes one. She makes them for like comedians. It's cool. She'll do like a whole scene. She'll do like Denver comics, Salem comics, Portland comics, and it feels really good when you get one made for you. Did you have a card? I had open mic. Gary Busey has a card. Nice. And then I was going to. I reached out to. Her, I was like, I should get because I do comedy characters. I'm a concept comedian because I can't write jokes. Um. I wanted it would be so such such a cool thing to have little and usually it's not like I have an actual card it's like oh it's like an image I can put as like my Facebook picture but I had one for Gary Busey I thought it'd be cool to get one for like Wilford Brimley or to get one for like Reverend Randy Two Tone or Sophia Petrillo all characters I've done stand up as Woke Gallagher these are all characters in my stable um, I thought that would be fun that would be cool. Yeah, I do cool shit, bro. Boom! Chapter four, in the cans. Should we tease next chapter? Yeah. Chapter five. You hauling ass. Because we're boxed up, going back into the recent past. We'll just call it the present, 2020. Last, you know, last we checked in in 2020, Brendo got boxed up. And now we're we're leaving the desert. We gotta we gotta get medical help, medical care taken care of. We're in a U-Haul. I'm still very depressed. Yeah, it's it's rough. Yeah, and we gotta get out. And the fires had already started. Yeah. Uh, you know the 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 world is burning, and you know we're we're leaving the house. We're leaving your car. Tried to sell your car before we couldn't do that, um, but yeah, that that's where we're at. So tune in next week for Unmissing Person Chapter Five. You hauling ass? Is it ass or as? I have it down here with two Z's. That's because so you write it. You hauling ass? Love you, bro. Love you, bro.
Love you, bro. Love you, bro. Love you, bro. Love you, bro. Love you, bro. Love you, bro. No, I love you, bro. I love you, bro. I love you, bro. I love you, bro. 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 Te amo, hermano. Je suis la juvie, Muji. Are you doing the Muzzy commercials? Why not? No one's listening at this point. One take. Me hitting you. Us nailing this podcast. I'm stopping it now. It's a good idea.